Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Welcome to the North Star Investcast. I am Brooke Kuby, Equities Research Analyst at North Star Investment Management. With me today is the firm's Chief Investment Officer, Eric Kuby, along with Jim Lane, Senior Research Analyst at North Star. Whereas long-term value investing is our core philosophy, we're always looking for opportunities that can help our clients. So we don't ever want to avoid new, potentially disruptive opportunities, especially those that can benefit or detract from our existing portfolio holdings. Today's topic, cryptocurrencies, definitely fits that description, which is what drove so much media and investor interest. Eric, any comments before we get started? Yes, Brooke, uh, thank you. Uh, I agree with your opening comments. I would just like to add that our investment processes that build in this healthy skepticism have served us well over the decades. If we think of dot-coms in the late 90s and early 2000s, and our concerns about financials and housing before the financial crisis. But we try to avoid being stubborn, and today our portfolios have benefited from investments in such things as online retailers like carparts.com and other dot-com or internet-enhanced investment opportunities. Uh, Jim, would you like to add anything to that? Sure, Eric. Um, And as important history, while early fluff and hype about internet-based investment opportunities a few decades ago was proven to be overdone, Many great businesses and investments emerged over time, and we think the opportunities for investing in cryptocurrency and the related businesses will play out similarly. Great. Well, a lot of what we are going to discuss during this episode is driven by several months of research by our 2021 summer intern class with guidance from the North Star Research Team, as well as a few industry experts who generously donated their time and resources. With that, let's dive in. What did our team come up with regarding the origins of the crypto space? Well, after the 2008 financial crisis, it made sense for innovators and entrepreneurs to look for ways of buying and selling goods and services besides through the traditional banking that had nearly collapsed. The crisis was a catalyst for inventing a new exchangeable currency without the need for traditional banking and government-regulated monetary systems. So along comes the opaque but legendary Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, That's right. So as a bit of trivia, in January of 2009, an anonymous individual and or group that went by Satoshi Nakamoto had created and launched Bitcoin, the world's first decentralized digital currency that enabled users to earn, sell, and exchange Bitcoins, which is the currency of nomination of Bitcoin, using only two things, a computer and an internet connection. So we really are getting into a very recent phenomenon then, aren't we, Jim? We are, definitely. That's why we want to be so thorough and thoughtful in understanding the history and the parts of this space. So our interns and research team investigated several areas. Um, First, blockchain, which is the general ledger or backbone accounting system for each type of cryptocurrency. The digital currencies themselves, which while Bitcoin and Ethereum are the ones that are most mentioned in the press and investment circles, there are actually dozens of cryptocurrencies 
in circulation and being traded. Uh, some of the history is important as well. And then also, what is the needed technology in order to uh, commercialize uh, this interesting new space? Now, some banking executives seem somewhat skeptical of specific cryptocurrencies, but I've not heard much controversy or criticism of the related technology called blockchain. Can you tell me what blockchain is? Sure. A blockchain is basically a data file. It holds all transactions for a specific type of digital currency, such as Ethereum, such as Bitcoin, and even such as Dogecoin. This data file, which also contains a computer-run algorithm, works to coordinate transactions between individuals using the cryptocurrencies. We think we, we can look at the blockchain resource and potential investment opportunity as a glorified bookkeeper or a general ledger along the lines of QuickBooks or Quicken accounting software that most businesses use for their financial record keeping. Okay, so that analogy makes sense and explains why the blockchain part of the space is fairly non-controversial. Is there a similarly clear explanation for what a cryptocurrency is? It, you know, great question, because it's probably not as clear. But in general, a cryptocurrency is a digital currency that is created and exchanged on the blockchain. The most well-known is, is Bitcoin. Most other cryptocurrencies have replicated most of their code from Bitcoin's original blockchain file. For example, Ethereum, like Bitcoin, has its own blockchain and therefore its own data file. If each cryptocurrency has its own blockchain or general ledger accounting system, why do we hear that cryptocurrencies are decentralized and therefore different from traditional currency forms like the U.S. dollar or the Japanese yen? Yeah, and I think that's a really good question, too, because um, th these are the types of misperceptions that we're trying to analyze um, to find what are the, how does this really work. So a decentralized currency like some of the ones we've talked about in these cryptocurrencies, is not a currency that is not kept track of, but rather it's one that operates without the control or influence of any credit union, bank, or other traditional financial entity. Unlike Bitcoin or Ethereum, the U.S. dollar and the way it is exchanged, earned, and valued is not only based on the individuals that believe and hold it, but it's also rooted in regulation and in most cases relies on traditional financial institutions for the transfer of assets that are bought and sold with traditional currencies like the US dollar. In contrast, decentralized currencies like these cryptocurrencies, they operate solely on a computer network and issuance is determined by the technology. This prevents its value and processes from interference by traditional regulators, which some people would see as a great free market concept. But it also has the downside that it is free from some of the regulation that controls and protects users of traditional currencies like the US dollar. Thanks, Jim. Now, Eric, here's another question for you. Do we think investors should understand all of the technology and actors involved in this cryptocurrency space? 
Yeah, so that's, again, another good point that, you know, we're not going to be able to become technology experts. Um, and it is a very rapidly uh, changing and emerging space. We're not going to be able to understand all the details. But as with all of our investments, we want to have a basic understanding of where economic profits come from. So it's helpful to understand the main components of an investment space. In this case, given that a cryptocurrency is a digital currency that operates through a digital file, also known as a blockchain, at its core, a cryptocurrency works by operating on a network of computers. The blockchain uses a computer graphics card and its processing power to manage and transact in each cryptocurrency. So some possible tangible areas of related investment opportunity are semiconductor chips, servers, connectivity and computing interfaces, and just not to mention you know, the power that's needed to operate the technologies and the companies that can provide that power to this industry. Now, a term that I've heard thrown around when talking about cryptocurrencies and doing the research was miner. So are, are these all tools that the so-called crypto miners use? And why does crypto need to be mined when traditional currencies are created and distributed by government-affiliated central banks without any kind of mining process? So, Brooke, I think this is where the history um, really is important to understand. Early on, the so-called miners referred to someone working at a single computer. The computer would have an application installed on it, so the computer and, and its operator could access the blockchain network to add that particular computer's graphics card power to the network. And therefore, the person operating the computer was able to generate cryptocurrency and conduct transactions. So computers were, were and are used to mine Bitcoin or manage and validate Bitcoin transactions. The identified computer and its operator get paid in cryptocurrency via the algorithm of the cryptocurrency's blockchain based on the power that has been expended from that system and the transactions that that system early on a single computer helped process. To get compensated more, crypto miners these days exploit the processing power of numerous computers, sometimes taking up entire buildings full of servers and computers. Um, as a result, it's no secret that Bitcoin has grown exponentially in popularity. Ultimately, mining Bitcoin has been associated with some environmental, social, and government issues, also known as ESG risks, as more electricity is being used and ordinary miners that use their own computers to mine the cryptocurrency are seeing less and less compensation per unit of the work that they're doing. And I think the question on everyone's minds is, can we have the same level of confidence in the validity of a cryptocurrency transaction that we have in a transaction through a traditional banking mechanism like a credit card or a debit card? Uh, well, I mean, that, again, you know, that's that's something that's certainly on my mind if I was thinking about using a cryptocurrency as a payment exchange. Uh, but at this point, you know, there are a lot of service providers working on tools to further develop the technology safety and security. We're just going to stick 
to explaining our understanding and explanation of the technology and what we think the related uh, investment opportunities might be. Well, with all this information, this sounds pretty technologically intense. So is anyone working to simplify these cryptocurrency transactions? The simple answer is yes. There are um, several companies that are working on tools. For example, one is called a smart contract. Uh, these contracts are self-executing contracts with the terms of the agreement inserted directly into the lines of code. This means that the blockchain uh, can make ordered tra orderly transactions based on date and terms being met. A user interfacing with that would agree to those terms. However, most of these contracts are going to require a third party to verify the agreement. This introduces a lot of new opportunities and challenges, but certainly implications of blockchain technology are going to involve lawyers becoming proficient in, the, in smart contract law, or even in healthcare where, where a more efficient ledger could be kept for insurance companies, but there are significant privacy concerns if blockchain becomes part of the healthcare delivery network and record keeping network. So to me, it sounds like these smart contracts also might help commercialize cryptocurrencies further. How else do you guys believe blockchain and cryptocurrency can revolutionize today's standard practices? Well, one, one example that comes to mind is e-commerce fulfillment. So let's look at the logistics and transportation industries, those that we're already familiar with. Presently, a big hurdle for commercial trucking companies is disputes for payments. Those who ship will sit on their invoices and end up challenging the exact price billed from the carriers. According to Craig Fuller, CEO of FreightWaves, the cash flow constraint has amounted to over $140 billion and counting. With the power of the blockchain and related smart contract technology, this type of bloat can be eliminated. Somewhat similar to the function of the old traditional letter of credit, which has been around for thousands of years. But clearly, this would be a more advanced system than a letter of credit. Right. But maybe smart contracts and logistics are the next evolution of letters of credit. I mean, if so, who is a big beneficiary of such a shift? Well, that brings us to an interesting point. While we certainly cannot predict the future of any particular digital currency, the digitization of the components of a transaction seems likely to intensify. If so, blockchain technology will ultimately be widely adopted and used by both private and public institutions globally. Some winners may emerge from the players that are involved in the building blocks commercializing blockchain, and this is the place where we are looking for potential investments. So. My question is, why not jump in with both feet and just set up an investment vehicle that owns a little bit of every single cryptocurrency-related publicly traded company? So at this point, if we could go back in time five years, which we can't, we would love to do that. But the time, that time for such extremely high-reward, extremely high-risk investment vehicles was probably five or eight years ago. And the dominant investors in this space at that time were private equity investors that are much less regulated and tolerant of investment, full investment impairments and losses 
than we are. So we've got to really work hard to understand how to sort out who's going to survive and, and who isn't. Yeah, right. We're, we're probably now in the third or fourth inning of this cryptocurrency commercialization. So we missed the beginning of the game. Uh, the universe that's out there now of uh, the publicly traded companies probably includes just as many losers as winners. Um, so we have to be really careful. And as such, we've decided to try to avoid um, you know, the type of investments where companies have some of the following risk characteristics that we always try to avoid at all times. First of all, you know, we, we, we tend to avoid earnings instability. You know, so in this particular case, instability driven by the tremendous volatility of the specific cryptocurrencies is something we would want to avoid. We want to find those companies, those businesses that can still generate economic profits, whether a single cryptocurrency such as Ethereum is valued at $1,000 or if it's valued at $60,000. And there's some other risks that are really important for us to always have right in front of us when we're looking at this space. Uh, another example is we want to avoid businesses that could be impaired if governments deem their business model as um, unsupportable. So in this case, if cryptocurrencies were deemed non-convertible, meaning the currencies would not be allowed to convert into an individual's national currency denomination, well, it's not clear if they can be at this time. So therefore, converting uh, the cryptocurrency like Bitcoin into U.S. dollars, if the government were to ban that, then a lot of the existing business models are going to be disrupted. Right. And then a third and staying on the theme of regulation, good or bad, there's the aspect of security and corruption. So far, cryptocurrencies have been subject to much cybercrime thefts. And this concerns us as there's no FDIC or similar insurance pool for cryptocurrency deposits. Um, and similar to any other currency, there's purchasing power risk. In contrast with decentralized or permissionless currencies, um, the currencies most people use in their everyday life now, such as the U.S. dollar, there's some, con some controls on issuance. And ultimately, those who control the issuance of those currencies are accountable to the general population. In contrast, cryptocurrencies operate in a more opaque, less transparent arena at least in the short term. And that lower accountability to the general public can give rise to more manipulation, corruption, or even outright scams. Right, and again, another concern about uh, the, the whole concept of investing in cryptocurrency right now, as we mentioned briefly earlier, is the ESG concerns. Uh, cryptocurrency does run on electricity and burns, it's using computer processing power for the blockchain. So, you know, there's, there's a short-term concern uh, of this, this use of electricity, you know, until new ways are discovered to limit its carbon footprint. Now, once again, turning to investment opportunities, if we can find companies or businesses that help solve that concern, that would be of great investment interest to us. And I think a last, uh, a last risk factor that, that we always think about because we're dealing with publicly traded companies is liquidity. Uh, as investors, we prefer more liquid investments to less liquid investments, all other things equal. Uh, given that there are dozens of cryptocurrencies in existence, some of them may fail 
And historically, in emerging investment arenas, um, less mainstream and less well-capitalized companies fail more often than better capitalized companies. So our preference will be for businesses more oriented towards the likely surviving cryptocurrencies that have mainstream applications potential. Now, that certainly is quite a list of risk factors. Can you, Eric, simplify what Northstar is looking for in investments in cryptocurrency and its related technologies? Yes, Brooke. I mean, the, the, our point is that we think that this is an interesting area, but a very risky area. So we wanted to spend a lot of time highlighting the risks because of the high level of risk that we think comes along with these potential returns. Of course, what we are looking for is companies that are going to be the long-term beneficiaries of this technology. Advanced micro device, for example, has benefited and given the company better attention in the investment community as they make the chips that run the mainframes that do the crypto mining. Or to an even greater scale, from a global infrastructure standpoint, there's been a real potential positive impact for world countries like El Salvador, who historically have had difficulties controlling their own currency. So there could be a global investing implication uh, that, that could be uh, uh, opportunities that we're going to try and keep our eyes open uh, to. And then who is going to emerge as the real businesses that can be valued? What existing current businesses are going to be enhanced by using the blockchain technology? We don't think the market has spent a lot of time thinking about that, the companies whose costs are going to go down and be beneficiaries. So that's one area of research focus for us is to try and identify those companies. Great. Well, with that, we should probably wrap this up. So do either of you have any final thoughts before we do? Sure. A couple of points on where we are and where we think this financial subsector is headed. First, at this point, you know, North Star's uh, investment strategies along long-term investing. And we think that the cryptocurrencies are currently being used as trading vehicles, not as assets for completing transactions. And since this is not our area of expertise, we're going to avoid using cryptocurrencies as trading vehicles. Uh, and in contrast to the way cryptocurrencies themselves are being used, the blockchain technology itself seems likely to be the first widely accepted cryptocurrency operational asset for completing transactions. So we're really focused on this commercialization of this blockchain technology, but it is quite still early in that process of blockchain usage becoming mainstream. It is very early. So we'd like to see some shakeout in the number of cryptocurrencies there is unlimited capacity currently, but if a few cryptocurrencies were to fold and stop existing, some winning technologies will become clearer. And just one last, one, one last point. In fact, some cryptocurrencies themselves may be in a bubble, but that the possible investment universe is larger than most may assume. And there's a lot more time for growth based on institutional and government acceptance from both domestic and foreign actors. So we do believe cryptocurrencies, or at least the blockchain technology, are here to stay. So we need to understand it better and better. Well, this has been some great background on cryptocurrency, and it's also certainly a lot of food for thought. So clearly we have our work cut out for us. 
Thank you, Eric and Jim, for all of the great color, and a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the North Star InvestCast. If you are interested in learning more about this topic as we further develop our thesis, or just have a general inquiry, please send an email to info at nsinvest. That concludes this episode of NS InvestCast. We hope you enjoyed this recording and we welcome any feedback. Feel free to send questions and comments to info at nsinvest.com. From everyone here at North Star, thank you for listening to the InvestCast. Securities are offered through Mid-Atlantic Capital Corporation, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through North Star Investment Management Corp., a registered investment advisor. North Star Investment Management Corp. is not a subsidiary or control affiliate of Mid-Atlantic Capital Corporation. The information provided in this commentary is not an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to purchase any security, product, or brokerage service. The information is not intended to be used as the basis for investment decisions, nor should the information be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of any investor. This commentary is presented to illustrate examples of the securities that North Star Investment Management Corporation and or its affiliates may have brought for client accounts and the diversity of markets in which North Star Investments may invest and may not be representative of current or future investments. You should not assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly in this commentary will be profitable or will equal to any corresponding performance levels that might be indicated. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments in securities involve risks, including the possible loss of the principal invested. Northstar and others associated with it, including employees, may have positions in and affect transactions in securities of companies mentioned or indirectly referenced in this commentary. Northstar may buy, sell, or hold these securities in proprietary or client accounts. Northstar will not be providing regular updates or advising you of any changes in the views expressed herein. Investors should consider their investment objectives, risk tolerance, and financial situation and needs before investing in any security. Tax considerations, commissions, fees, and other costs should be carefully evaluated with one's investment and or tax advisors. Information provided is obtained from sources deemed to be reliable, but Northstar cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information. This material may not be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted to any other person in whole or in part without the prior written consent of Northstar. A copy of Northstar Investment Management Corporation's Form ADV brochure, Privacy Notice, and Business Continuity Plan Summary can be obtained by calling 312-580-0900.